are we? All right. So um, for those of you who I have not met, uh, my name is Kevin Davis, and um, I am one of the elders here at Firewell Bible Fellowship. Uh, the gentleman you normally see up here is Pastor Chris, and he is away um, at a men's conference this weekend. And so we uh, look forward to having him back in the pulpit next Sunday, refreshed and ready to go. Um, I've said this before, and anytime I'm up here, I always consider it an honor to be able to stand up here before you and share the Lord, word of the Lord with you. Um, I'm one of our teachers here on Sunday morning um, as we're going through the book of Romans. I'm also one of our teachers on Wednesday nights as we've been going through the book of Judges. Um, my wife, Jeanette, and I have been here, um, I can't believe this, but it's been almost 17 years that we've been at this church. And so, yeah, and so uh, for Jeanette and I, um, I've said this a number of times, this is home for us. So th th this is home, and we love this church. So um, we've been, as many of you who have been here know, we've been in the, the book of Matthew for a number of months now. And um, just a brief review of where we have been. Um, we've been discussing Jesus' teachings the past several Sundays from this, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And last week, Pastor Chris uh, wrapped up chapter 7 for us. And in chapter 7, we discussed a number of things regarding Jesus' teachings. The danger of judging others, the narrow path, and the broad path. We also looked at the dangers of not only judging others, but also false teachers. And how do we discern if someone truly is a false teacher? Now, last Sunday, one of the points Pastor Chris made was that the Christian life is not a life of storm-free living. We, as believers, are going to have storms in our life. Now, before we get into the text this morning, I want to ask you a question. What comes to your mind when you think of the word approachability? Now, Merriam-Webster's defines approachability as being accessible, easy to meet, or deal with. Now, how does that relate to us in our everyday lives? Would people consider you and I approachable? What about Jesus? Do people think of Jesus as being approachable? Who can approach him? When can we do it? Can we only do it on Sunday mornings inside a building? Can we approach him when things are good, when things are bad? Is he always available? Here's one. Can bad people approach Jesus? Now, maybe you have been instructed sometime in the past that there's some type of ritualistic activity that you must perform to make yourself ready, to get yourself worthy of approaching him. Or, or, or maybe that you've been told that in order to approach Jesus, you need someone else's permission so that you can have access to him. Now, the Apostle Matthew will provide us today with a first-hand account of a man who boldly approaches Jesus, but also does so in humility. Now, as we get into chapter 8 today of the book of Matthew, in the coming weeks, we are going to be looking and examining the divine powers of Jesus on display in three separate healings. 
Now, in the coming weeks, we'll be looking at the following. The purpose of the healings. This is what it says. What purpose does it serve? The method of the healings. We're going to see that Jesus doesn't do each one, each healing in the same fashion. And we're also going to be looking at the subject of the healing, the person who Jesus healed. Now, before we get into the scripture this morning, uh, don't forget we have sermon buddies available for you. I'm in the back. If you didn't grab one when you came in, if you need one, uh, just raise your hand and we'll have one of our guest services folks bring you a sermon buddy. So, this morning we will be in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Everybody say word. word. All right, and I'll be reading the text this morning. So, when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him, and a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we exalt your name, Lord, for you are worthy. You are the eternal God. Father, I thank you that we have this opportunity here to discuss you, that we're able to gather in person, that we have this building to meet in. We thank you that we have access to your word. We thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that there is nothing that could ever separate us from your love. Father, I do pray this morning that during the service, help all of us, including me, to be free from any distractions we have, Lord. Whether it's here in our personal lives, whether it's in the Ukraine, whether it's at our jobs, our families, help us, Lord, to be free from distractions that we may concentrate on your word. And my prayer, Lord, is that your name and your name alone will be glorified through the service. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, now, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Jesus had been delivering his words of wisdom from the Sermon on the Mount. Now he is coming down the mountain, or more likely a hill, and Matthew, who was there, and it's important that we remember that, that Matthew was there, he tells us that large crowds are following Jesus. Now, just a reminder of where we were at the beginning of chapter 5 a few weeks ago, in Matthew 5.1, where it says, when Jesus saw what? The crowds. He went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. So we know when we read the verse in context here that there are what? There are large crowds, and that the disciples, one of whom was Matthew, were also there. Now, typically, um, if there is a person and large crowds are following him or her, the natural question is to ask what? Why? Why are all these large crowds following this person? Now, today, following someone can have a bit of a different method than back in Jesus' day. You can follow someone from your phone or from your computer, right? Um, we, uh, now we do oftentimes still determine, though, someone's worth or value 
by how many followers they have, whether it's on TikTok or Instagram or YouTube or whatever the format may be. Now, as we read the text this morning, we should ask ourselves, why are all these people following Jesus? Well, Matthew tells us this, and this is where we left off last Sunday at the end of chapter 7, verses 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were what? They were amazed or astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. The crowds were amazed at the teachings of Jesus, at least initially. See, there was something different about the teachings of Jesus. They had heard teaching before. Where had they most likely heard their teachings? Well, from the leaders, from the rabbis. So they had heard teaching before, but there was something different about Jesus' teaching. So because they were so amazed or astonished, they wanted to see what else Jesus was going to say, what he was going to even do. Now, verse 1 of chapter 8 is what many scholars refer to as a transitional verse. It's going to take us from the teachings of Jesus and over to the healings of Jesus. Okay, so as we continue reading, we see that Jesus has an encounter with whom? Who's he have an encounter with? A man with leprosy or a leper. Now, um, in the Bible, when the term leprosy is used, it can refer to various diseases affecting the skin, not just specifically leprosy. But here's what I want us to understand, that this is more than just a physical impact on this man's life. He has been impacted in other ways as well. Now, we'll get a little background on how leprosy was viewed in Jewish culture from scholar George Wesley Buchanan, who tells us that those who had been diagnosed as lepers by the priest were required to separate themselves from the community. Biblical lepers were not treated as ill, but as ritually unclean. The priest had no technique of cleaning lepers. When he considered the affliction healed, he then offered the correct sin and guilt offerings so that the former leper might be atoned for this impurity. How was this man viewed? Unclean. Now we get a little more clarification from this from the writings of Moses in Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn, and the hair of his head shall be uncovered, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone, and his dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now, these verses give us an image of the type of life this man with leprosy would have had. One of isolation, most likely ridicule, contempt, and humiliation. We can imagine how others would have treated him. This man was near the very bottom of Jewish society and culture, but guess what? He was now going to have an encounter after all this time of suffering with the promised Messiah that he and those watching had heard so much about. So back to the text, what happens next? Well, verse 2 tells us that this unclean man does what? 
he approaches Jesus. He doesn't wait for someone to give him permission. He doesn't wait for the right time, right? How many times have we said that? Right now is just not a good time. We have all these activities to attend, and the kids are playing sports, and, and, I, and I'm trying to save money, so I got to work on some Sundays, and so as a result of that, I, I'm not able to go to church, and, but I got to provide for my family. But, but you know what? As soon as the season is over, as soon as the activities die down, as soon as I'm not working Sundays, once I get enough money saved for my family, then, then it will be the right time. See, the leper doesn't do that, and this brings us to our first point this morning, the time to approach Jesus is now. The time to approach Jesus is now. We don't have to wait. The right time is now. Now, it is quite feasible that this crowd would have witnessed this man approaching Jesus and would have been appalled. How dare you? Who do you think you are to approach Jesus? Look at yourself. We know who you are. Get out of here, you unclean leper. We know who you are. Your place is not here. Now, how many times do we see this today in the way we view certain people? That somehow we have a patent on approaching Jesus that other people don't. We have the right, but not those people. And we know who those people are. Who do they think they are? I've heard the language they use. I know who they voted for in the election. They don't even bother to attend church. The audacity they think they can have to come up here and approach my Jesus. How dare them? You see, if the leper had listened to everyone else, he never would have approached Jesus. If you remember nothing else from today's service, I hope you remember the following statement. May we never prevent other people from approaching Jesus. May we never prevent other people from approaching Jesus. You know, sometimes I think we can do it without even being aware. The people we ignore, maybe we have a tendency to look down on others. But when we do so, with what we may think is a really good reason, is we're driving people away from Jesus. On the contrary, as a believer in Christ, I should be doing the exact opposite of that. I should be a light in this dark world that we live in that leads others to him. Do we agree that we live in a dark world? Do, you, do we agree that we live in a dark culture? And I think sometimes that darkness can be overwhelming. But as a believer in Christ, I am told that I'm a light. Okay, and as a result of being a light, that should make Jesus more approachable. Which brings us to our second point this morning. My approach to Jesus is between he and I. My approach to Jesus is between he and I. As I mentioned earlier, Jeanette and I have been here for a long time, and I can tell you this, when I talk to different people and I talk about their own walk with Christ, I see that different people came to Christ in completely different ways. So rest assured that the Lord himself is very much aware of every bad thing I have ever done 
said or thought, but he loves me. He died for me, and praise God for that. Lamentations 3.22 tells us that the steadfast of love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. How great it is that we serve a merciful, loving God. Now, what about the way this man approached Jesus? Now, the next observation we make in verse 2 is that he knelt before or he bowed down to Jesus. Now, bowing down before someone was a great sign of respect, especially within Jewish culture. This leper, this outcast, had an idea of who he was interacting with, and he wanted to show it. Now, let's look now at what the leper actually says. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And notice he doesn't say, Lord, you can make me clean. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And also, he doesn't refer to Jesus as teacher or Jesus. He refers to him as Lord. This leper, this outcast, he recognized the authority of Jesus. Do I? Do we live our lives in the reality that we serve the one who is omnipotent? The one and the only one who is truly worthy to be called Lord. The leper knew that Christ had the power to heal him. However, that's not the same thing as he knew that Christ would heal him. But he knew Christ had the power to do so. Now, the leper also recognizes that he himself is unclean and that he has a dilemma that only Jesus can rectify. Now, the following commentary comes from the IVP Bible. It says that the leper not only shows physical signs of respect towards Jesus, he acknowledges that Jesus has the right to decide whether to grant the request to acknowledge that God has the right to grant or refuse a request is not a lack of faith. It is the ultimate act of dependence on God's compassion and takes great trust and commitment for a desperate person. This man approached Jesus with a need, and he recognized that Jesus would be the one to decide whether or not to heal him. He relied on Jesus and no one else. Now, how does Jesus respond? Now, remember, the large crowd is there along with the disciples, and they're there, and they're witnessing this interaction between two men, one of whom was this great teacher who's been teaching them from the Sermon on the Mount, and the other one is this unclean outcast. Now, we may not realize it in our culture today, but what Matthew tells us next is shocking. Jesus, he, Matthew tells us that Jesus stretched out his hand and he actually touched the man. Jesus made physical contact willfully with the unclean leper. Dr. Constable describes it as follows. Probably the crowd gasped whenever Jesus graciously extended his hand and touched the unclean leper. Lepers had to avoid all contact with other people. But Jesus compassionately reached out to him in his helpless condition, 
Jesus expressed his willingness with his word, and he expressed his power with his touch. And this brings us to point number three. Jesus desires a relationship with the unclean. Now, to be clear, the unclean is you and I. Okay, now we may not always recognize it, but we are the unclean. Now, what comforting words Jesus offers to this helpless man, I am willing, be cleansed. Matthew then tells us that immediately his leprosy was cleansed. A miraculous healing by Jesus to a man most of the observers believed was not even worthy to approach Jesus, much less be the recipient of his healing. Now, the story's not done. And he tells him, okay, well, he healed him, and that's it. But, but, but Jesus isn't done with the man. Yes, he's healed him, but Jesus also has some words for the man as well. He instructs the, le the leper to tell no one, but to go and show himself to the priest and to present the offering in accordance with the Mosaic law. Now, it may seem puzzling to us that Jesus would tell this man to not share this amazing story with everyone he knew, but as is with everything that God tells us, there is a reason. How would people respond to this amazing miracle? Now, fortunately, we don't have to speculate on the matter because we have the Gospel of Mark. And Mark tells us in 145 in his own Gospel account that he went out, he being the, the former leper, he went out and he began to talk freely about it and he spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Now, the first thing we notice here is that this man who has just been healed of leprosy is not exactly obedient. Perhaps his intentions were good on the surface. He was, perhaps, truly grateful for what Jesus had done for him, and he wanted to share it with everybody. However, Jesus had a reason for telling him to remain quiet about the miracle. See, Jesus knows the hearts of men. And he knew how people would react if they heard of this amazing miracle. And this brings us to point number four. Jesus knows better than we do all the time. Okay, he knows better than we do all the time. You know, as Jesus headed towards Capernaum, Jesus knew that there would be consequences for his ministry if everyone knew him as a healer first. Their desire to have their temporary bodies healed would have taken precedent, precedence over having their permanent souls healed. Remember this, our damaged souls are a higher priority for our Creator than our damaged bodies. Now, next week, Pastor Chris will be going over another amazing healing by Jesus. But before we leave here today, let's go over some spiritual recommendations this morning. Spiritual recommendation number one, don't ever prevent someone else from approaching Jesus. I think sometimes we can get so wrapped up in wanting other people to clean up their act 
that we forget that that other person, whoever they are, they need the blood of Jesus to cover their sins the same as you and I do, no more and no less. They need their damaged souls to be healed by the Almighty God. Let us not be a barrier to that. Rest assured, God will bring about the change in them that he so desires in his way and on his timetable. Number two, don't wait until tomorrow to approach Jesus. The sad reality is, is that for a, a number of people, the right time never comes. I had an opportunity a few weeks ago to go to, uh, to a service uh, for a man who had passed away, um, who I got to know really well the past five or six years. His name was Tad Ferran. And, and, and at that funeral, it wasn't a lot of sadness. It actually was a celebration, okay? Because we knew, his family knew that he was a believer. But the opposite is also true. I've been to services before where there's no assurance that the person was saved. You see, the right time never came. It was always going to be tomorrow. And to go to a service like that is very heartbreaking. I don't know what is going to happen tomorrow in Rowlett, Texas, in the Ukraine, but what I do know is this. Jesus is available to you right now. He desires to have a relationship with you. There is always going to be a reason for you to put it off, but Jesus is available now. And our final recommendation, listen to the Lord. He knows better. Okay, even when it seems risky or it goes against what everyone else is telling you, even though it may be incredibly inconvenient, listen to the Lord. He knows all. The Lord is never wrong. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are worthy, Lord. You are so good to us. You are so patient with us. You are a merciful God. You are the everlasting God. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and we thank you, Lord, for the cross. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for his broken body. We thank you, Lord, for eternity. We thank you, Lord, for your availability, that we can approach you, Lord, and we thank you for that. And Father, I want to pray for the people here today, Lord, who maybe they're struggling with approaching you in their own individual lives. I pray that you would give them courage, give them discernment. I pray that you reveal yourself to them. Lord, in the midst of this world that we're living in and we're inundated with all kinds of information, help us, Lord, to discern what is truth, what is from you, and that which is not. Father, I pray that this service today was pleasing to you. I pray that your name is glorified through it. And Father, I want to pray, of course, Lord, for the situation in the Ukraine. And you know what's going on there, Lord. You know every detail. And I want to pray specifically for the church leaders and for the believers there that there would be unity, that you give them courage. I pray protection, if that be your will. I pray, Father, that you give them peace. If not physical peace, Lord, give them inner peace. Watch over them. Protect our brothers and sisters, Lord. We worship you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, guys, that's our message for today. As always, I want to thank Pastor Chris and the elders for giving me the opportunity uh, to stand up here today and share the word of the Lord with you. If any of you have any questions or you'd like to speak with me, I will be available after the service today if you so desire. But now it is time to go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you until we meet again, same time, same place, next week. And don't forget, you are loved. Now go and tell someone else they are too. God bless. Hey, brother. I love you too. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Edward. Appreciate it, buddy.